everybody, welcome back to another edition of one of these years. Free Agency Week rolling on here at The Athletic. I'm, of course, Nick Baumgartner, along with Colton Pouncey, not at The Athletic, in the NFL, across the world, Colton, NFL Free Agency, <laughs> taking a backseat today, of course, the NCAA Tournament, uh, but that's about the only time NFL Free Agency takes a backseat to anything, and I'm not even sure she's taking a backseat to the NCAA Tournament, but in any event, Colton was out at Allen Park earlier this morning. You'll be back out there later uh, this afternoon. Or evening. How we doing? Doing good. Uh, yeah, lines are, are keeping me busy this week. They're actually yeah. uh, pretty active. Probably more active than yeah. Maybe some of you thought. I thought they would be about a little like bit this, active, right? But yeah. There's some some moves here that have kind of been surprising, but uh, right. Yeah. You know, in terms of what they've done, I mean, I've I've liked most of their moves. Um, we've gotten a chance to meet some of these guys. We'll meet a few, a, a few more later today, mm-hmm. and um, taking care of some of their own. So it's about what I expected, right. more or less. But uh, yeah, pretty interesting couple days here yeah it's been a very interesting couple that's a really good way to say it because i think that you know chris and i used to talk about this all the time when it's first started the every move they made told you a little bit something about brad holmes right a little bit about Mm -hmm. what he preferred how he would do business and the one thing i think when we entered this free agency period you know you and i had talked and we expected them to spend some money and be more active like this uh not crazy or stupid not anything nuts but like this um but also we but we didn't really know where they were going to spend it. And I think that was sort of the question. Um, and I think that what this week has revealed, and we'll start with the Jamal Williams and David Montgomery situation here, is that Brad Holmes, um, I think he's going to do all he can to take care of the people who they want to be here above and beyond, but also like there's a line to everything. And he's not going to step over it. And I think this week, above all, has shown that um, more than anything. And I think that most people saw that when they saw... Right, David Montgomery gets the three years. Was it uh, nineteen or eighteen? Uh, whatever, eighteen, uh, and then that's before Jamal Williams ends up signing with the Saints. Uh, three, four, twelve. Correct, Colton. Correct, correct. So, yes. your thoughts on that whole thing? Your first, re- I want your first reaction on it, and then sort of how you thought about it as it went. Uh, and I'll do the same. A lot of people were, uh, I think, uh, initially like, "What the hell's going on here?" But I think a lot of yeah. people have also sort of come around to it. I think it's probably still mixed though, right? Because you know Jamal's. Damn, dude. I mean, he's as beloved as it gets around here for a football player in a short, you know, amount of time. He is, and that's really impressive considering yeah. he wasn't drafted here. No, he's, he's barely only, been here. <laughs> he's he was here for two years, and mm-hmm. like people are acting like you know Calvin Johnson, it's gone or something like that. You know, so it's, I know it's it's, it's hard. pretty interesting. Like the fact that he's he's gotten to this point and you know has has built that sort of reputation for himself, but that's what he did in, in yeah. Allen Park at that facility, and so. I think my initial reaction when I saw the tweet saying that um, the you know the Lions were signing Montgomery, yeah, I think I tweeted uh, yeah, what, <laughs> which is literally like was going through my mind. I was like, okay, I, I did not see this. <laughs> right, this came out of left field. Obviously, I know some people were like, oh, is Jamal coming back even with this? I was like, no, like mm-hmm. <laughs> that's this is this is the this end is of that it. Marriage. Yes, right. That was very apparent to me when I when I read the news because when you look at those two players. Montgomery is two years younger. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a lot of the same things. That's right. Uh, I would say Montgomery, you know, even coming out of college out of Iowa State, like he was a player that I had my eye on back then yeah. just as like, you know, following prospects and whatnot. And I know he was just a monster at generating missed tackles and his balance was incredible. Yeah. And you watch his highlights from Iowa State and you're just like, yeah, this is going to translate to the NFL. And, um, you know, seeing him in the NFL like his first couple of years, you're like, yeah, this is a high floor running back. That's right. Um, yep. 
he's not he's not an elite guy. He's not like a top five back, but in terms of what you're asking a guy to do, which is um, you know get the yards that are there, maybe break some tackles, <coughs> uh, pick up some extra yards in the second level. Um, you know, I think he's a he's a really good fit for the Lions, which is why right. you know when you're kind of evaluating the situation, it's like I like this move, man. Like I do, exactly. I like it a lot. I didn't see it coming, obviously, but when you talk about the money that he got, which is you know an average annual average uh, value of six million a year mm-hmm. uh, versus what Jamal ended up getting, which is four four million a year, like you're getting two million extra to upgrade at the running back position in a year where you expect to be competitive and make the playoffs. Right. And I know a lot of people are emotionally invested in Jamal, and I, I totally understand that. And we've talked a lot about what he means to the locker room, but. I mean, it took maybe five minutes for me to see the bigger picture mm-hmm. with this deal and say, okay, now we got Swift. You hope you can keep him healthy and ready for a playoff run. But if not, Montgomery is absolutely care- capable of carrying the load. Um, you know, being an RB one that can that can you, you can ride with mm-hmm. probably more so than Jamal. Yeah. Jamal, I know he's kind of forced into that role a year ago, but that's not what he is. You don't want him, you know, carrying it that many times. Like he's a complimentary number two ground and pound type of guy that's not really going to get you those extra yards. I think there's more upside with Montgomery and the things that he can do in Detroit. So, yeah, I mean, it didn't take long for me to get there, but <laughs> I understand why it took some other people like, and maybe they're still not there with the signing. So I totally understand it. Yeah. I, I get both sides of that. I, but I, I totally agree with you. And I immediately, you know, like I said, I mean, you look at it and you're like, wow, okay. We, we expected there to be a market for Jamal. And my initial thought was, okay, well, I'm not sure if he's got another offer. Uh, or I'm not sure what he's asking for. And so when we saw that and I saw Montgomery's name, I'm like, okay, well, everything you just described there is dead on. And what you've described is a two years younger version of Jamal Williams. They're very similar players in a lot of ways. Uh, I agree with you. I think Montgomery, due to number one, his age, he's about two and a half years younger. I think Jamal's almost 28, about to be 28. Uh, Montgomery's still 25, 25 and a half, somewhere in there. Um, yeah, I think he's more shifty. Um, I think they're similar, though, in that he's not going to break the top off anything. Khalil Herbert was the more explosive guy there last year in Chicago. But I think at the same time, if Jamal's going to come to you at 28 and say, and I'm just spitballing, I don't know this, but based on everything we'd heard the night before and the days before, the Lions and Jamal Williams were not exactly close on terms. And so if Jamal at, you know, at 20, almost 28 comes to them and says, I want three years, let's say, um, and they say no. We can't do that, Jamal. We don't want to do three years, uh, but we'll do two at five each or something like that. And he says, no, I don't want to do that. I want three. I mean, you know, that could be something that, you know, I don't know. Maybe it was another thing. Maybe it was, I want this X per year. And maybe they said, no, I don't want to do that. Um, And I think that based on everything we heard, the Lions got to a point where, uh, you know, Brad Holmes and and company got to a point where they'd said, okay, well, Jamal has made his decision that he's not going to budge. He's 28. He's in his contract you know, time, this is it, if you're going to take your shot. Yes. And I think Brad Holmes kind of said, okay, well, whatever, then we're going to move on to our next option immediately. And we're signing David Montgomery, and that's our next option, because we're, we're tiering, they're always tiering players. And I think that, right, we hear them talk about that so many times. We're always stacking guys. That includes your own guys. <laughs> and, you know, I promise you that that was a hard one. I promise you that was tough for all those guys. I bet Jamal's probably pissed. I bet he's not happy. Um, but it was probably hard for all of them. Because I'm sure they wanted it to work, but the health of the franchise and the all that stuff is more important. And like this was a better move logically 
And it falls in line with what we talk about on this show all the time in that it's another example of Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell just doing the next right thing. This is like the next right decision. This was the right decision because we saw what Jamal got. And would you have paid him three for 12? Colton, would you have done that for Jamal based on, or would you have done, or would you prefer something like this? Now you got to go up if a little bit more. If I knew I could get Montgomery. Right. Yeah. If I knew I could get Montgomery at this price, I'm taking Montgomery, even yeah. even with the lesser price for Jamal. Yeah. I agree. And you have the offensive line, you know, you're, you're cap- you know, you know what you have. Um, reality is reality in that situation. And Jamal is a limited back, although he's a really important one. And Montgomery is too. Those roles are not the sexy you know, back, I had a lot of people, you know, that were quick to mention that Herbert was the better or the more explosive player in Chicago last year and probably the guy that they would like to keep and, and pay more if they have had their choice. And that's all true. But you, he, the Bears are going to need to replace David Montgomery now because that, that guy who can carry the ball 125 to 160 times a year on powers and counters and just do everything in between the tackles and just get the dirty stuff... Holy, when you play football like the Lions, especially, so important. Forget the locker room chemistry stuff. Just this, like, that's that's how you move the chains. That's how they stay on the field. Like, Jamal Williams was how they stayed on the field. And uh, it's a super important role. And I don't even really, I know a lot of people were like, I hate paying that much for a back. I, I'm fine with it. I think people need to start coming I'm, around. I'm I think, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what I was going to ask you next, Colton. I think people need to start coming around a little bit more because this regime, I think, understands the value of it. I think it also maybe is some evidence that they like Jared Goff a lot and are ready to start putting pieces around him and let him run the show, right? Am I wrong on that? But I do think people no. need to start get a little bit more on board with the back stuff because they, they value it here a lot. Yeah, I mean, this told me they're trying to win, like plain and simple. Absolutely. Like, yeah. They obviously they love what Jamal did from a locker room perspective, the leadership he brought, um, just being like the energizer bunny in that locker room. Like I, they totally understand that. Yes, but they're also they have a job to do, and their job is to win games and make the playoffs and advance in the playoffs. And that's something this franchise has not done since 1991. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at Brad Holmes, he's not going to put you know the hometown disc. You know he's not going to give anyone. Like, <laughs> we're sort not of doing like, that here. Yeah. Oh, right. we like you, so we're going <laughs> to give you whatever you want. Like that's not how he's going to operate. And I think yeah. that's what this move showed. Because when you're looking at the free agents that the Lions had um, internally, like Jamal was probably the top of that list. Like, yeah, yeah of course absolutely. he's back. Mm-hmm. But in Brad Holmes' mind, there was always a price. There's always a line. And I don't know if Jamal asked for, you know, maybe close to what Montgomery wanted. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not exactly sure what they went into those conversations expecting. But Brad clearly had a line. Yeah. And – you know, I'm, I don't know what that line was, but clearly they couldn't meet. They were far apart. And maybe he just went, okay, Montgomery, I can get you at this price, an extra $2 million than what we expect Jamal to get on the open market. Like, yeah, yeah we'll do that 10 times out of 10. Thank you for everything, Jamal. Right. Best of luck in New Orleans. You know, like, yeah. I, I, that might sound harsh, but you're That's trying football, to win football man. games. Yeah. These guys are paid to win. Like, it's, it's, it's a tough industry, but... I mean, man, if you don't make moves like that and you're not trying to make your team better and you're mm-hmm. just like relying on good vibes for, for so long, like <laughs> right. you're only going to get so far. So, yeah, and it's like a sliding scale, right, on what you need. Like the Lions don't – They somebody said that. It was such a great point. I can't remember who said it on Twitter to me. But they were like, it's almost like if the Lions graduated on from Jamal, from needing him. And I was like, yeah, because he went – look where he went. You know, a team that probably paid a little bit more than he, they should have. In New Orleans, and they need to, you know, they need a guy like that. I would, I would assume, right now, 
new quarterback. They're yeah. starting, you know, they're kind of lost right now. Yeah, second year coach. Yeah. I would think, and that's why we talk so much about like a team like Houston. I would have thought maybe would have liked to pay him a team that's starting from scratch mm-hmm. and just needs culture. Because my God, like I've never been around a guy. I don't think that can change the temperature of a room. Like that. I mean, as a player, like he just walks, and it was like that when he first got here. They sucked so bad, <laughs> and it was like, and he did not care. He was like, "This is great. I love being here. You guys are great. Everyone's great." He was like happy on every single day that you could, you know, that that existed. But at the same time, he is what he is. He's not, you know, he's not ever probably going to have seventeen touchdowns in the season again. I would be surprised probably if not. he has a thousand yards again. And I would also add, Colton, I think that there are regimes here in the past that not only would have uh, paid him more to stay, but I think they would have paid him what Montgomery had and probably more. They would have just said, whatever, set the market, I don't care. Um, It's going to piss fans off and it's going to piss people off and screw it, pay him whatever, set the market for a running back who's about to be 30. And that's the type of stuff that used to happen in Detroit um, when Mm -hmm. they would get lost and confused. And so while, like, you nailed it and said, this is hard, it's the harsh part of the business, but at least you got a guy running the business side that knows what he's doing now. And I think that that's still my biggest takeaway because this is, again, really hard decision. You know, they've had a lot of these little ones. This is probably the biggest one, though, I would I would think, right? Somebody, you know, the first, guy, first one of their guys they've had to really say goodbye to. And this is, mm-hmm. it really is it. Um, and they love him, so yeah. I'm sure it was tough. But every hard decision but, they've had to make, you can't say that it hasn't really been the logical one in the moment and long term, right? Every and this included, I feel like they've all worked out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, like I, 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 I kind of came away from this just more reinforced by Holmes' exactly. decisions and, and, and kind of that, like his roster building and what he has in mind. Because I don't know. I guess on the surface, it's like. Are you going to pay a running back in the open market on a second contract? And you can look at that and probably like the analytical nerds are like, oh, that's a yeah, terrible deal. Some for people them. don't but, like it. And I get that part of it yeah. too. Yeah. But like for me, they upgraded at a position that's important in their offense. And this is the first year where they're going into the, the season mm-hmm. with real expectations. And so I was curious to see what they did with some of the available cap space that they had. Yeah. And this feels like an impact move. Um, you know, even if they kept Jamal. I w- I've been pushing for a running back, whether it was Bijan or yeah, another Spears in the third. Mm-hmm. It felt like they needed another guy, and maybe they still can can yeah. do that. But um, which I'm sure we'll get to later. <laughs> but he, even if Jamal came back, I'm just like I listen to what Ben Johnson said, and I keep coming back to that interview with Dan Miller, where he's like, "We need to find a way to turn these four and five yard runs into eight, nine, or more." Yep. And Montgomery is not like a speed back. He's not like a home run hitter, but based on the two skills that he's he's great at, his balance and his ability to generate missed tackles. Like, you give him an offensive line that can create four or five yards instantly. Absolutely. Get him into the second level. Absolutely. And see him just, like, stiff arm like a safety or a corner yep. trying to tackle him. Like, he can do that. That's everything mm-hmm. that you want. Um, so, when I look at that move, I'm just like, this makes a ton of sense. And it only costs them an extra $2 million. Like, I'm exactly. like so many teams across it's the inflation, league. inflation, brother. It's like... <laughs> Restructuring their quarterback contracts, like random like, yeah. inflated contracts that they gave out years ago, and creating like an extra twenty million of cap space. So when I look at that, two million dollars, damn right, that that sort of upgrade is nothing. Yeah. It's not your money anyway. Exactly. So why are you mad that yeah. they? <laughs> so, it is what it is. I agree. Yeah, and Jamal I, got paid too, that, right? Jamal got paid. He did. So I'm glad for that. And like 
I even wrote because I had to do a reaction <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, with with uh, you know our Saints team, uh, just talking about that deal. And I said, yeah. look, he's going to be a great addition to that. Oh yeah, team. my God, uh, he's going to be a dependable player for them. He's going to pick up the the tough yards. He's going to be a great goal line back. Like that's yeah. what you're signing him for. Um, that's the value. I do think Detroit is is beyond that. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't necessarily need that from him anymore. They need a guy. That can be an RB one if Swift goes down. A guy that can compliment Swift. This is yep. a, I can't. It's hard to think of like a better fit at a realistic price than David Montgomery and DeAndre Swift. And you have those two together for at least a year. We'll see how long yep. Swift's around. But for in terms of twenty twenty three, that is a great RB one, RB two, one A, one B, whatever you want to call and it. And they'll both that, that help each other. Yeah, I agree. They'll both help each other. Montgomery is also. We haven't talked about this. He gives you a little bit more um, as a pass catcher than yeah, Jamal. Yeah, catch the ball. Mm-hmm. He's a little bit more natural. He can catch the ball in the backfield. And uh, he's great in pass pro. So I look at those two things. I'm like, they just upgrade at the running back position. And the reason why we were talking about Bijan for a while and yeah. you know, still might mm-hmm. <laughs> is because of you're talking, if you're keeping golf around, you got to support him. You got to give him talent. You got to give him upgrades. And so when I look at this this addition, I'm like, all right, they're trying to give golf some some help in 2023. Yeah, um, they're trying to make this offense regression proof because that's something we've talked about too. Like, how do you stay in the top five? This yep. is a move that helps them stay there. So, I have no problems with this. I was confused why people were saying this was an overpay because it, it seems like pretty good oh, value no. for a 25 year old no. potential RB one. So, I look at this deal. I'm like, yep, I understand it. If anything, I think. Going. If anything, actually, I think they got him on a cheaper deal than I thought think he would have got. I thought he would have got closer to 20 because of what Maybe. he is. Yeah. So if anything, I thought they got I got him on a little bit of a deal. So I, no, not an overpay. And again, I mean, well, so go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, what did Miles Sanders get? Like four years, 25, yeah, I think. Something right. Like that. So and again, I would say I'd rather have Montgomery. people need to start evolving their opinion of this, especially if you're a Lions fan, because a running back is important. They run the ball here a lot and your quarterback can't move. Mm-hmm. And if this is going to be the guy, you got to be able to run the ball with multiple people. And that's the second part of this conversation is that last year the Lions were such a good football team at running the ball inside and out. They you know, they did a much better job uh, of coming closer to where we think the ceiling is, of course. But, you know, Jamal Williams was a back who got every yard that was available all the time, but never one more, right? Rarely did he get you one or two more. Swift, there are times where he he'll miss a bunch. Right, they'll be 15 yards and he'll just miss, and yeah. you know he can get you more sometimes, but that's when I start to have because you look at it again, and you say, okay, well there there probably needs to be more competition in here too, and that's why I am still I'm still on board with you need to draft another running back, and I think higher than fifth round is what I would say because I I think I'm I'm putting DeAndre Swift on the hot seat and saying, buddy, uh, sing for your supper time, and we're gonna find out because. Yep. I would want to bring somebody else in here who can be dynamic and can catch the ball and can do all the things DeAndre can do, and maybe he's my compliment to Montgomery moving forward. You know what I mean? And maybe I move DeAndre out. I don't know. But, like, that's how you do it. And Zeke Elliott just left the Cowboys after how many years? Five, six? Was it? He's there for a minute, yeah, whenever he was drafted. His rookie contract ends, right? His rookie contract ends. They tag him. They give him a one-year, whatever. That's kind of the life of a running back in today's world. You know, unless you're Saquon, yeah. uh, Bijan might be different in that conversation. But, I mean, those type of guys are the two I would also argue, I don't care if you pay them the extra because they're different. Like, 
You can split them out and run routes. They can get involved with motion. They're a bit more like a Debo Samuel than they are just a regular old Jamal Williams. You know, not to say Jamal's a regular old player, but Jamal Williams is running back. I when we're talking about some of these freaky guys that play in the backfield. Get me one of those to put next to David Montgomery. That's what I think the Lions still need to sort of find, an offensive weapon who is a huge part of the run game. And I think that that would turn them, you talk about staying in the top five, that would definitely help with that part of it, but I think it would also turn them from, you know, an offense that we talk about as potentially very good to one that's just flat scary, to one that you'd be like, well, shit, I don't know what we're going to do here. If they've got yeah. Jamison Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown, and, like, Reynolds on the outside with tight ends who do their job, an accurate passer, that offensive line, a back like Montgomery who gets all the dirty stuff, and then a playmaker. Hey, what else do you need? <laughs> like, I mean, that's yeah. that. So to me, they're one. They're now one skill guy away. That's what I feel like. That's where I'm sort of. After all this, I've sort of landed on. You're one skill guy away from being freaking really good on offense, and they're already good. But I mean, like changing yourself good to a point where. Maybe it doesn't even matter how many you give up some weeks because you could just score with people or dictate the pace. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that's what I'm looking at now. And I, that's why I like that move even more to upgrade at running back. Don't get caught up in your feelings. Keep it moving. You got to stay young, but stay within your own framework of like, this is what we want from this spot. This is what we want from that spot. And we go forward. Because again, like we said at the top here, like Montgomery is a younger version of Jamal. I mean, we'll see how he fits in the locker room, and that's something that I, I don't think anybody could overlook. But I also doubt that he would be a guy that they're not taking if they don't like him. And uh, all we heard from the Chicago folks were, was that everybody liked David in Chicago. So I think that that's, right? I think I don't think anybody disliked him. Yeah. Uh, with no, Bears, that's right? an important thing to yeah. note. Like, everything I've heard is Montgomery's great, mm-hmm. great character guy. That's probably why they miss him more. Because, um, like you said, they have Herbert and he's a good back, and I'm sure they can draft one. He's younger with too. All their picks, yeah. but yeah, mm-hmm. but Montgomery, like they, like I saw a video at the end of the year of him like interrupting a Justin Fields press conference and like giving him a hug and something, something like that. And it's okay, like, well, geez, yeah, those dudes, those go. dudes love him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm like those dudes love him. I like, in, I know Jamal's like a different type of yeah. locker room presence. Like he's sort of the, the quirky dude, mm-hmm. but people gravitate to that. Montgomery seems like you know he's probably more about his business, but also like endears himself to his teammates yeah and like it's not like they're losing all of that like yeah. they're still getting some of that in this montgomery signing and in addition to a younger back with more upside behind this offensive line um that could unlock the rest of his game um, yeah because his, his early years in chicago those offensive lines were terrible i know his quarterbacks were mitch trubisky and justin fields in his first two years and his <laughs> head coach for a while was matt Nagy, like calling plays like wasn't good. Uh, the Lions and basically freeing him from Chicago. <laughs> he still did okay. He carved up Patricia yeah. a few times, if I can remember. Or helped carve up Patricia well, there you go. a few times. Yeah. One other to point. To me, this is like a <laughs> free ahead. David Montgomery, and that's what the Lions have done. Free they David freed Montgomery. him from the clutches <laughs> of, the Bears. of Matt Nagy <laughs> and the Chicago Bears. So The, the other yeah. – your, your point on the uh, leadership reminded me, too, and I want to touch on this before we go to a break, and then we'll talk about the corners, um, is that – the Lions are letting go of Jamal Williams, obviously, and losing a lot of that, <clears throat> you know, chemistry, culture stuff that he brings to the table. But they paid Isaiah Bugs, Will Harris, Alex Anzalone. Um, there's one more I'm now forgetting off the top. Uh, Matt Kaminsky. Nelson and John Kaminsky. 
All those guys off the top of my head were paid pretty quickly in free agency, and all of them are like brick-in-the-wall guys here, right? Like, those are all guys that, to me, you're not worried about, you You know, you're probably a little bit because Jamal's such a big presence, but you're really not worried much about losing your culture when you make sure that you take care of guys like that. Like, they probably overpaid Anzalone. And if you're going to overpay someone, that's probably a guy that I'd probably overpay because everyone loves him. And they probably overpaid Bugs, frankly, too, honestly, right? But, like, again, the fact that they signed those guys right away, didn't mess around with Kaminsky, didn't try to get him on the cheap, didn't because he could have gone and, and got a better deal elsewhere, that kind of stuff right there, you know, that's really good. And that allows you, I think, to then look elsewhere and say, maybe we'll bring in a younger guy in the draft um, that's rougher around the edges because we think we can bring him up. We think we can raise him in here. That's the other part of the culture that we haven't seen yet that's going to happen in Detroit before it's all said and done, is this is going to be, once they're very comfortable with you know, the leadership in the room, hey, let's go take a chance on some guys and see if we can help them, and see if we can fix them and you know, right the ship and get some deals here, because that's another part of how you build. And so um, I think that that's important. It didn't get noted as much as the Jamal thing, but, but like the Lions really did a good job this week, I think, in spite of losing Jamal, of sort of stabilizing the culture that they helped build uh, these last two years. Do you think? Absolutely. Um, when you bring back the guys that they brought back, I, obviously some of that was you know on-field play, but a lot of it was keeping what they built last year and keeping that structure in place mm-hmm. um, that helped you turn things around. Like a lot of those guys were instrumental in – you know, stabilizing those, you know, some things in terms of like bugs in the defensive line. Yeah. Um, we saw how valuable Kaminsky proved to be. Um, Anzalone has been like he was one of the first signings in 2021. Like he's been yeah. that guy in the locker room. So if you do lose a guy like Jamal, you still have Anzalone around. And, you know, he's, you know, continuing like this sort of upward trajectory. Like he got better last year. So I think you can justify a move like that if you really look, look hard enough. And mm-hmm. you look what he brings to the locker room. Those guys love him. The coaching staff loves him. So, oh, yeah. I look at yeah, I agree with you. Those moves that they that they did early in free agency to bring back some of their own guys helps you know ease the blow of losing a guy like Jamal, and yep. they're gonna they're gonna push it forward. It's not like that you know Jamal was was not like the one piece holding it all together. Where <laughs> there might be some locker rooms like that across the NFL exactly. where if you lose one guy, everything falls apart. I don't really yep. see that. I don't yep. really see that with the Lions. And honestly, you know, we talked to Cam Sutton today. We'll we'll get to him in a sec, but. I mean, he seems like a high-character dude, like, talking to him, talking to some guys that covered him in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Like, they were kind of upset to lose him because he was, like, a go-to <laughs> voice in the locker room. You can kind of see the way – like, he, the first thing he did when he came out and talked to us was shake every reporter's hand. In the- <laughs> now, maybe that was him trying to get some points with us, but, hey, well, it, it worked. Well, it probably worked. Yeah. I'll say that. It worked. <laughs> but it also – it was like we, we don't expect that. He didn't sure, no. That. Like, yeah. He just went up there and started talking. It's like we do our jobs. He does his. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he did that and got all of our names and went one by one. That's with awesome. like 20 people in the room. That was really cool to me. Yeah. And that shows – I think the kind of person he is, like classy move. So I expect him to be another one of those dudes. Um, so they might be losing one, but they're getting some other guys in there, and they've kept that structure in place. Absolutely. So I, that's pretty important to note, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. Good segue. We'll take a quick break here and then come back on the other side talk about Sutton and the rest of the corners because that suddenly is more interesting than it was, and I think it probably has some draft impact as well. So stay with us. We'll be right back uh, quick after this. All right, everybody, we're back. Uh, one of these years. Talking Lions free agency. Uh, other side of the bull, Colton. Uh, not, you know, again, like these moves are really interesting. They're not like huge splash moves in terms of money. Um, 
but I think super interesting in that the Lions on the pickup, I think Cam Sutton was the first guy we heard about, right? I think he was the first one that came out. So pick up Cameron Sutton and Emmanuel Mosley, two corners, uh, both with slot capability uh, in the first week of free agency. And, you know, I couldn't help but think all this time I've gotten it wrong because I kept saying, hey, don't pay corners, just uh, draft them and pay safeties. Well, Brett Holmes completely disagrees <laughs> with me on that because, again, this is a, I think this is the second time they've done this, actually. They did it uh, in free agency right when they got here when they signed Quentin Dunbar. Um, but things are changing at corner, Colton. Your thoughts first on, you mentioned some Cam Sutton stuff in the start there. Um, kind of what else did he get into today? But then also your thoughts on... Right after we saw this, I think we knew where it was going. Some things are about to change here uh, for Aaron Glenn's uh, group in the back end. Yeah, no doubt. I guess I want to start with Sunday because I was doing a free agency preview, kind of put that together over the weekend. And yeah. I'll take my victory lap here. A few people in the comments <laughs> have, have been asking me to do that. And uh, I've been I've been humble, but, you know, this is our podcast. so I'm Time to do it. That's right. Uh, so. That's right. I will say I did, you know, I looked at the cornerback position and some of the top guys like uh, James Bradbury, Jamel Dean, I didn't mm-hmm. really see those as realistic fits for the Lions. Um, you know, Brad literally talked about not wanting to get into these big money guys, and I think Campbell did the same at the Combine. Right. So I figured that they would probably add to this position. I just didn't know how much. And I, right. I, I offered a few names that could fit, um, just looking at our top 150 list of free agents at The Athletic. Um Looking at some PFF, PFF numbers. So I landed on three guys, and they signed two of them. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Cam Sutton and Emmanuel Mosley. Uh, Who's the third? As, uh, Rocky Sin from the Raiders. Oh, uh, yeah. He's good, too. I like him, yeah. too. He would have so fit, those are for the three sure. Guys. Yeah. So yep, that's three good ones. Like Those are probably, like, in my opinion, they were probably, like, the third, fourth, and fifth best corners out there. Uh, behind they might have talked to Rocky Asin, too, for all I know. That's a yeah, pretty good maybe. call. Yeah, might have been right. on their, on their, on their tiers <laughs> right. there. Yeah. Um, but, it was in yeah, the stack I mean, somewhere, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Shout out to, to Brad Holmes for making me look smart. Um, That's right. <laughs> but yeah, I, I look at Sutton. Um, he had a really, really good year. And I look at his his really his whole tenure with, with the Steelers. Um, yeah, I think his rookie steady. year, he was more on the outside. Came out at a Tennessee... Uh, I think his rookie year was more on the outside, and then his next two to three years, I believe, he was playing more slot, mm-hmm. um, put him at safety for some snaps, a little bit on the outside, but it's mostly like I think he was hovering around the thirty to thirty-five percent of his snaps um, on the outside, and those those few years in the middle, yeah, um, where he's primarily a slot. So I'm like, okay, I like that versatility that he can. He was productive there. The Steelers were like. We trust you to play this this position in our defense. Um, and then the last two years, he spent 70% of his snaps on the outside um, at cornerback. And I think he probably helped his value there because last year he was really productive. He allowed, I think per PFF, allowed just 411 receiving yards, um, which was the ninth fewest among corners with at least 400 snaps. Um, really productive player. I think, you know, pretty low passer rating when targeted. So, yeah. I looked at that. I'm like, if you can get him for around 10, 12 million, 11 million, maybe, uh, that's a good signing. I would take that. They end up getting him for three years, 33 mil. Um, and his cap hit for 2023 uh, was very minimal. Um, like, I want to say around 3 million or something like that. So that was probably part of how 
you know, Brad Holmes and, and his team kind of structure that deal to kind of maximize the cap space of this year, pay him a little bit more next year and, and the year after. So I like that move a lot for them. And then they circled back and got another guy on my list, Emmanuel Mosley of the 49ers. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm all for getting any player that the 49ers like just cannot afford to pay. <laughs> I agree. Because you know they're good players. It's just like they, that that roster, that defense is so talented that they just can't <laughs> They just don't have room everyone. for them all. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so a guy like that who's playing really good football before he got hurt, um, and that's probably something that could scare some people off. But I know PFF, they had him as like their 30th rank graded quarter cornerback before he got hurt. Yeah. Um, I think he had like a – 63.5 passer rating when targeted. Um, was playing like some of the best football of his career as a starter on that defense, which is the best in football. This Impressive. Season. So um, I looked at that and I'm like, okay, maybe you can take advantage of the injury. He's still young. He's only 26 years old. He's not like an older guy coming off an ACL. Yep. That would probably be more concerning. Prove um, it time. So I, yeah, I looked at that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Brad Brad Holmes loves those one-year. Absolutely, man. Like, we saw that with Chark last year. Like, he loves those deals. And I'm like, I bet he's looking at, at Emmanuel Mosley. And it turns out, got him at one year, $6 million um, for a guy that when he's back and when he's healthy can be like a borderline CB1 or a really good CB2, depending on who you have next to him. So yeah, um, they brought in both those guys. And again, Brad Holmes made me look smart there. But I like them both <laughs> because we said, you know, when we're talking about Aaron Glenn, yep, when everyone else wanted him fired, and you were saying, look at the defense that yeah. he's fielding. Look at the defense that he was given. They were like 31st in defensive spending before the year. Um, yeah. I always looked at this, even though their cap space was like somewhat limited. I said they, they should find ways to get guys like this in the mix. And we, yep. we both said that you got to give him more talent to work with. Because right now, Absolutely. he doesn't Absolutely. have a ton. So what turns out, those rookies were some of the best players on the team. They just needed t- time to you know grow a little bit of seasoning in this league, kind of figure things out. By the end of the season, you know, 20.2 points allowed the last 10 games. Like, you saw the impact that those rookies made. Now, sprinkling a few free agents here. You got two cornerbacks. Um, you're bringing back some of your own guys. You've got five picks in the top 85 to spend. Probably a lot of those will be defensive guys. Um, you know, like, I, I see this defense taking a leap. So, I like these moves. Yeah. These are really smart, um, smart additions that didn't break the budget. And we knew that was going to be Brad Holmes' philosophy in free agency, and he kind of stuck true to that. So really some upside here with some of these players, and um, they didn't cost too much. So I, I like the addition of these two cornerbacks. I'm sure Aaron Glenn's pretty happy about it too. Yeah, I really like both the corners because I think for all the things you said, number one, they fit their budget. Most important, they didn't overpay for both either guy. They actually, I think, got Mosley on a pretty good deal. Um, mm-hmm. And then number two, they fit Aaron Glenn. I think this is going to be a good fit, right? I think this has been the biggest problem um, that he's had in terms of personnel. They just haven't had too many corners that come through here that have fit his style of what I want a corner to be. And Sutton was not a overwhelming athlete coming out, but he was good enough, and he's really agile, uh, and he's a technician. You know, you he is not you know a guy that he did play in the slot. I mean, he's he's succeeded some in the slot. He's had success inside and out. You can't do that unless you are either a like freak athlete or a technician. He is mm-hmm. not a freak athlete, and he's a really good football player. And I think a guy who understands the game, uh, you know, you, you mentioned earlier how he walks in, and obviously a mentally tough, you know, guy to a degree. At some point, he's going to understand how to think about the game. I think that shows there as well. So I think that fits. And then Mosley on the other side, he is like a, a five star athlete. He's a stud. 
Like, he had explosion numbers off the chart, if I'm thinking correct. I think he was in the low 4-4s. Four um, and like you said, it uh, the injury is what has cost him whatever. But if he comes here and overperforms and it has a great year, holy shit. Like, he's going to get a lot of money from somebody. Right? Maybe not here. I don't know, right? But, like, that's the perfect kind of, like, you know, almost every free agent they've signed, except for probably David Montgomery, has had some of that. And, I, and maybe even David Montgomery, to a degree, has had some of that, like, you're a really good player. It hasn't quite gone the way that we think it probably should have, but it will right here if we do it the way you want this to go. I think both those guys 100% fit exactly that. And, you know, the yep. good man coverage corners are not going to sulk and get pouty. You put those two with Jerry Jacobs, and now suddenly I'm looking at a situation that says two things. you got to talk about Jeff Okuda. And you got to talk mm-hmm. about is is corner still um, something that they're going to do at six or eighteen? So we'll go to draft second first. We'll go to Jeff because I think that's actually more interesting <laughs> for me. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the people would rather talk about the draft. But I've been talking about Jeff Okuda moving to safety for three years, and if it doesn't happen <laughs> now, it's never going to happen. And honestly, like, yeah, they just signed over him. So I don't know what else you're going to do if you're Jeff. O- you're going to be the fourth corner. You know, you got benched last year by guys who were worse than the two they just brought in. Jacobs is yep. clearly going to be a starter. Tr- they trust him. I would assume they're going to draft still at least one corner. Yep. Colton, I got to ask you, like, we haven't gotten to talk to Aaron or really anybody yet, but what what are we thinking here on uh, Mr. Okuda? I, something's got to change, I would think, at some point here for this last go-around. Yeah, I, I guess my mind went to this one after the two additions with the cornerback position, but also... Uh, they didn't resign Deshaun Elliott. He went to Miami. Right. That that defense is gonna be stacked, man. Oh my like, god. Big Fangio. Yeah, and they yeah, liked Deshaun. Like, they liked him too, right? Yeah. yeah, he's a good player for them. And I think mm. he only signed for like a little less than two million. So okay, like, they could have brought him back if they wanted. But that makes me wonder: Do they plan to move someone? And if they were to do that, who's the likely guy? It's probably Okuda, right? Based on what we've seen and yeah, how him he or if the game, him or Iffy. But he's mm-hmm. Iffy's sort of already. Kind of already there, so, you're right. Yeah. So I look at Okuda, and I'm just like, I still don't know what his best spot. I know you like him at safety, but I could see him at nickel too. Um, yeah. You know, just playing closer to the to the box or whatever. Um, you know, that Dallas game keeps coming to mind and how efficient he was and how great he was, uh, quick to react, quick mm. to the ball. So if you can put him in a spot like that, I think he can really excel. Because at this point, like, they did sign some dudes that can probably start over him. Absolutely. <laughs> probably, will, probably will start yep. over him. Um so, and I don't know, I kind of go back and forth because Sutton can play nickel. Uh, he's he's proven that. But I think you're you're signing a guy like that to that three-year, $33 million deal to play on the outside. Exactly. Like if you're giving him that sort of money, he's not like a slot guy. So I would assume he's on the outside. I would assume Mosley's on the outside. Um, but, yeah, so I guess where does that leave Akuda? <laughs> I think it's it's good that they have some depth here that they can kind of challenge him and be like, look, man. Like, yes. we're probably not picking up your option. This is a prove it year for you. We got to see what you can do, man. Like, you have not lived up to expectations so far. I know yep. you've you've had some issues, like the injuries and dealing with the old regime and whatnot. But, like, man, it's time to, to live up to that bill. And if you can't do that, we've got plenty of capable guys that can. So, um, it's a big year for him. In terms of the draft, uh, I still think they can get a guy early. Just because when you look at the guys that they signed, Emmanuel Moses on a one-year deal. This mm-hmm. could be Akuda's last deal, last year of his deal if they don't mm-hmm. pick up that option, which 
I think will be a little over 11 million. That would be a lot of money. Which is um, a lot. Yep. For we don't even know if he can play corner. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> so there's that. He, this could be his last year. I think this is Jerry Jacobs last year. So I think the only guy signed long term is uh, Sutton. So all these dudes, like, I could definitely see cornerbacks still being a priority for them, getting yep. a young guy in the first or second. So the cornerback position feels settled for now, but there's also some some questions in the future. And I think, you know, this season will will answer a lot of those. Yeah, for Okuda, it is definitely a finally, officially, for me, uh, and I'm always the last one to arrive at this, but it is do it or don't time uh, for him. It's, you know, do it or leave, you know, pretty much, as cold as that sounds. Uh, but to me, it was like, I think people wanted that to happen a long time ago, and it's like I always kept saying, you know, that's not fair. He, you know, obviously he's had the injuries. Uh, he was part of the COVID class, and nobody talks about that anymore. Uh, I know some guys it didn't bother them at all. Some guys it really did a lot. It impacted them a ton, and he was one of them. Um, you know, and so he's had a lot of crap that he's had to deal with in these first couple of years. But this is finally now where they can look at him dead in the eye, like you just said, Colton, without even remotely feeling bad or caring if he doesn't answer the bell and just being like, this is it. You have to have the best year of your life. You have to play the best football you've ever played. You have to do whatever we say. If we tell you you're going to be a safety, you have to do it. If you're, we tell you yeah. you're going to be a nickel corner, you have to do it. If we tell you this, you have to do it. If tell you you're going to gun punch, you have to do it. You have to be the team guy, the guy that everybody said you were at Ohio State. All that stuff. That's They can have the come to Jesus thing officially with him now. And I think he has no choice but to listen. And if he doesn't listen, that's going to be on Jeff. And I think he will listen because I think he's a pretty, I think he's a good kid. And I think he's been through a lot. I think he's been through a lot as an NFL player. He's been through a lot in his life. Lost his mom at a pretty young age, all that sort of thing. So I mm-hmm. think I look at all that and I say, it's probably time to grow up. And I think it's fair now for the Lions to like have that conversation with him. I, It was hard for a lot of people, I think with Okuda, because it was like, well, I mean, when AG and those guys got here, what are they going to do? Just shit all over them and be like, well, this guy sucks. Like, what, you know, like, what are they going to say? Because <laughs> I think a lot of people were like, you know, what, what are they going to do with Okuda? And he was very complimentary of them. And they went out of their way, him and Pleasant, to talk about how great he was looking and everything else. And then he got hurt. And I got to tell you, he did not look as great as they said he looked in that first camp. He still was struggling. It was still something that he was kind of working his way through. Um, and every time it looked like he was getting closer, he'd get hurt. And then last year, finally, all the excuses get taken away, and it's like, well, you're not hurt. What the hell's going on? Why are you? Yep. And they bench him. So it's like, to me now, it's finally to that point where they gave him every, they gave him the courtesy and the sort of like room to, you know, recalibrate. And now it's fair to really, I think, crank the heat up on him, like a lot. Because it's, this is it. You either are a bust or we're going to salvage something after this year. That's it. There's no other fork. Right, yeah. it's either those two things. I think really for Jeff, and um, I hope he gets it right because I think he's a good player. I mean, I I still have a hard time with that because we all watched him at Ohio State. And we all saw the same stuff, and yeah. um, you know, he's better than this. I, I think is what I would land on. They've given him every chance in the world to be the player that he was drafted to be, mm-hmm. and at some point, if he's still doing, if he has a similar year as the one he had last year in twenty twenty three. You got to move on, and yeah, maybe exactly. they've already made that decision. Like we don't, we're, we're not picking up the option. Yeah, they, maybe they have that money. Maybe they have. They, they might have already had. I know. I think they have until May, early mm-hmm. May, to make that decision. But they might have already made it, um, which might have, you know, 
signaled some of these moves. So, yeah, man, it, it's tough because Akuda, like, I watched him at Ohio State. Like, I covered yeah. some games that he played in against Michigan State. And I'm just like, yeah, this dude is the real deal. I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he just hasn't put together. And that's, and that's how it goes sometimes. But I also want to note, just because things haven't worked out with Akuda doesn't mean, like, every corner you take in the top 10 or 15 <laughs> is going to be, like, yeah. a bust. I or know. We went over this with every guy they take. I yeah. know. So that's why, like, I... I still think, like, if they draft Christian Gonzalez at six, like, and they expect him to be, you look at what he brings to the table, he's like 6'1", 6'2", mm-hmm. uh, runs a 4'3", has a 41-inch vertical, like, all the athletic tools that you want. There's no reason why he can't be, like, a exactly what he's, in the NFL. Yeah, what you think he <laughs> exactly is, right. Yeah. what you think you're getting. Like, I don't necessarily think this has to live in the back of your mind, like, or maybe at the forefront, I should say. No. It, it can live in the back of your mind, but at the forefront, if that's all you're thinking about when they take him or if they take him, like, oh, we should have taken a corner. We should have taken a corner in the third round because <laughs> right. at least then we won't be wasting him. Like, guys, no. Like, you're he's there <laughs> for a reason. He's He has the upside of being a top 10 pick for a reason. It's on right. the coaching staff to get him there. So Yes, that's a great point. Yeah, because yeah. Okuda I, is like a perfect storm of bad things that have happened to this guy, okay? Yeah. Personality-wise, he's a deep thinker, and that's not good if you're going to be, you know, it's just not good. It's great if you're gonna be in, yeah, If you're going to be in competitive athletics in a, in a man-to-man corner, if you're a deep thinker, it's just not a good not a good place to be. So he's that, number one. And I think people are forgetting, like, I think it was the first day, I'm almost positive, like the first freaking day... That the NFL returned from COVID, August, whatever the hell, the training camp started in that ridiculously confined camp where we all had to go and stand in the bleachers with masks on, 15 feet apart or whatever it was, outside, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they hadn't trained all offseason, all this. Okuda got hurt like 20 minutes into the first practice, the first day. <laughs> Jay Sean Cornell blew his Achilles on like the third rep, and Okuda Oof. pulled his hamstring on like, I swear to God, it was like a half hour in. It might have been day yeah. two, but like I was doing a story. I remember this because we were doing a story where we did the watch every single thing he does. I watched him for oh. like for an hour for like two hours, and he got hurt like immediately. Yeah. And I'm just like, and he was never the same. It was like a constant uphill battle. And for a guy that's already in his own head, it never got better. And we were in COVID. <laughs> I mean, it was like, what the hell's going on? Patricia was the coach. Holy shit! Right? It was just like total <laughs> nightmare. And uh, the exact opposite of what he was used to. He was also a kid who never lost in college, never lost in high school, got everything exactly how he had, you know, manifested it in his head, had never had any adversity ever athletically mm-hmm. until right there. I'm not ready to give up the towel on it, but yeah, I mean, it's a hundred percent. Like I wouldn't be shocked if he turns it around and, and we're like, Whoa, what the hell happened here? But I also am not going to be shocked if maybe this just w- wasn't in the stars. I don't know because a lot of stuff is, Happened that's sort of beyond his control, uh, frankly, and sometimes it's how it goes, you know, unfortunately. But, to your point, I don't think it takes off, you know, obviously a a corner at 6 or 18. My thought, though, was I'm not sure if it means they're necessarily married to one in the first round. certainly means they don't have to do it if they don't want to. Uh, Mm -hmm. And originally, when we talked a couple weeks ago, I was like, I think they probably have to take two corners, by the end of day two, that's not necessary anymore. So I think that that's what's changed. So now I think you could probably take a corner anywhere from six to uh, the end of your third round picks. I think that's sort of what I'm looking at the range. I I don't think they would first wait, five. right? Yeah. yeah, I think somewhere in the first top 
80, whatever, whatever those picks are, 90, uh, mm-hmm. and we'll see a corner. Where, though, yeah, I'm not so sure. And I think maybe that, maybe that loosens it up. Maybe they don't have to have the fight that we talked about, right? If it's like, if it comes down to Gonzalez and like the defensive staff's preference of another guy, maybe they'll be like, okay, whatever, we'll just take another dude, you know, or we'll trade it. Yeah. Because that's the other thing I wanted to touch on before we get out of here. A lot has changed in this top five. We talked about this in February, January. Like, if you're a Lions fan, you need chaos to happen in that top five. You are need you you need it. You need quarterbacks to get up, and you need somebody to start falling. And like Jalen Carter is falling. <laughs> as we've seen, and some quarterbacks oh, have gone up. And so some things are happening. And, you know, I don't know what all how it's going to shake out. Bottom line, though, is I like the Lions trade market better today, almost better every day that goes forward here. It's looking a little bit better with each passing day. Would you agree with that? I would. So so let me ask you this then, because we, we kind of talked about this on Slack, you, me, and Chris. But yeah, let's say the Panthers, let's give them Stroud at one. Yeah. Let's give the Texans Bryce a two. Right. As of now, we'll see what the Cardinals do. Maybe they trade down. But Whew. let's say they, st- they, st- they, st- they stay put. And okay. they take Anderson at three. Sure. Uh, the Colts are in des- desperate need of a quarterback. Let's say they, they don't have trade to take for a quarterback. Lamar. Yeah. Right. Let's say they don't trade for Lamar. They take a young guy. Let's, let's say that's Richardson. At yeah. Four. Right. And then five, the Seahawks will give him Tyree because Jalen does not seem – Feasible in the top five. Yeah. Um, or, I mean, hell, that's even, another one. It might be Jalen. That was, I mean, the reports out of his pro day where he, like, couldn't finish position drills. I know. Gassed and I know. Up 10 but pounds heavier. Still not lot. ruling it out with Seattle, though. Like, they're the team that could that, say, that I don't be a care. Seattle pick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, let, but let's say they do. <laughs> but tiny. yes, no, they might but fall. Just for the Absolutely. So, he might fall. At, yep. at six, what are you doing right now? In, today. Oh. At six with Lions. Well, I'm picking up the phone and saying, who wants it? Who wants Levis? <laughs> Levis who is wants, there, yeah. Who wants Levis and who wants Carter? Because if, if they've taken, if Seattle has taken Wilson, I mean, those are two right away. You're saying, anybody want Carter? Come get him. Because I know you all think that he's he had a bad pro day, but did you watch him against Alabama? Because, like, that's, you know, that's the conversation that you're having that's, on, that's these draft, think, yeah. on these draft days. So if it's me... And, yeah, be it Levis or Richardson or whomever, if there's still a quarterback there, and we've talked about this, there's four starters. There's four starting quarterbacks in this class that I think that we all can pretty much agree on, and Levis is one of them. Richardson's one of them. So mm-hmm. it goes beyond Young and Stroud. If those two guys are there on the board and, like, I'm calling Washington or I'm calling whomever, like, who wants this thing? And, you know, if nobody wants it, and then it's best player available. To me, and at, at that point, it's not necessarily about position. It's just who is the best player here. It has to be a fit at what you need. Like someone asked me about Skoransky. That's another guy I would call on and say, anybody want him? Because there's a bunch of tackle needy teams coming up here. Like, and maybe we'll take him because I know we've talked about maybe not wanting to load up, you know, the money in the offensive line. But also whatever, like Skaronsky, Jonah Jackson, Frank, Sewell, and Decker would be pretty, pretty, pretty damn good, good, Colton. Like yeah. pretty good. So I think that their their flexibility, uh, which was already really high when this draft started, is even more flexible now. Like, because I mean all the positions we just talked about, they could be also addressed at eighteen for them with good players, you know? Yep. And um 
I just I think they're they're literally in position to do just about anything. Um, mm-hmm. Best player available, trade it. And I I really do think if they want to trade that thing, if it goes the way that you just said, I think that somebody would make that call, right? I, I don't. I I kind of I have to think that they'd be able to get a trade there. I could be wrong, but yeah, I don't know. I think so. Um, and my takeaway from pre and what the Lions did. Um, because I look at the corners, I'm just like, oh, they don't have to take a corner early. But then I look at 2024, I'm just like, oh, yeah, only one of these guys is under contract for multiple years. So yeah. I still see cornerback as a need. Now, I think we're less married to the idea of taking, like, Gonzalez or maybe yeah. Witherspoon or whatever in that range. Like, that you um, have to do it at That six. you have to right. do it. Like, you, right. need, you need some young talent here. Let, right. They can do that in the second round. Um, they got two picks in the middle of that. Do it at 18. Round, so they can do it at 18. Um, or even like 81 or eight, whatever yep, that pick is. I agree with um, that. So, yeah, I, I think it opens up the flexibility. I think I tweeted like they can pretty much do whatever they want. They have, I mean, they could, they could take Levis. <laughs> I know people they probably could. wouldn't yeah. like that, but they probably could take Levis. <laughs> That'd like, be pretty they, wild. That could be their, their swing. Could take Richardson if he falls. I if, mean, right? Yeah. We don't know who the Colts prefer at four. Yes. It, it seems like it's going to be one of. I mean, hell, maybe Richardson goes one to Carolina. Maybe they fall in love with the straights. But right. whoever's left over there, like if there's a quarterback at, at six, maybe they take him. Um, maybe they do go corner and stick to that plan and say, like, now we feel loaded at this position. We've completely reworked this room in a matter of one offseason. So we feel really good about this. Um, maybe Tyree is there at six. Maybe they, I don't see it, but maybe they roll the dice on Jalen Carter. Um, what if um, the Raiders trade up with Arizona? And get another quarterback. So that yeah, so then you probably quarterback, have four quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. It's four quarterbacks. And that, yeah, I think that would probably be ideal for the Lions because then you can get probably one of Anderson or Tyree. Like, yeah. And we oh kind my of discussed God. I that mean, last if night. we're talking about Will Anderson somehow falling down, like I, well, that would be insane. That's like the. Do you ultimate, know how many? Yeah, that's the dream. Do you know right how here. many PFF mock drafts from fans that have oh. tweeted at me, uh, showing me that Anderson? I mean, I can't six. even. Will Anderson and Aiden Hutchinson <laughs> would complement each other at a level that I'm not even sure we've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, that would be like, oh terrifying wow, that, yeah, it way. would be terrifying. I, I like if you're the Bears or someone, would you trade up to be like, I, no, they can't just have, to say <laughs> <laughs> they can't have both these guys. Holy like, oh, shit! God. No, that, I mean because like. I don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole because I'm not sure that that's possible. I yeah, really don't think you know. he's going to fall that far. But, like, oh, my God. And I'm not also ruling out. We've talked about that. Who's to say they don't say, I'm going to get Will Anderson at three. Fuck this. Like, let's go get Maybe. him. Let's go get him and just say to hell with it. Not Brad's impossible. traded up for his guys before, so it's yes. definitely not the question. saw him do it with Jameson last year. Everything on the table here. That's really what this week has proven to me more than anything else, the free agents. And... You know, in recent years, we have learned nothing from free agency from the Lions. Uh, not just with the Brad Holmes era, but from the Patricia era, too. It was like, it was always boring. Either, either they were making some horrible signing or, like, they were just filling gaps with, you know, stucco or whatever. Like, that's just how it would go. Yeah. This, though, really has been telling, I feel like, right? I And I feel like, again, like we said at the very beginning of the show here, almost every move that we've seen, and obviously these have to pan out, but in the moment, here and now, right here today, they all feel like the, the logical right choice. And they're really hard to argue with. Like, really yep. freaking hard. That's, I guess, the biggest takeaway still for me on Brad Holmes in this whole thing. And this is another time where you're evaluating that. It's just hard to argue with a lot of the stuff that he does. Hard really to nitpick. And, um, 
you know, kudos again, because he just seems like a really patient, thoughtful evaluator, and I think that's showing up again. He's got a vision for how he sees this thing going, and he's not straying away from it. And you have to respect that, because a lot of GMs that have some cap space or that can create some room here with some restructures, they they want to get crazy, and yep. that does not always work out. It works out in the short term. A lot of teams see, you know, maybe a three, four win increase when they go big in free agency, but how many of them make that sustainable? Like right. the great franchises that are out there that are always competing for the playoffs, build through the draft, supplement in free agency, and then they have plans to kind of, when guys are due for big contracts that so they can't sign because yeah. they don't have the room, they draft the replacement like a we year before plans. that. Right. Yeah. Like the Eagles are doing it perfectly. They drafted um, uh, the linebacker, Nicobe Dean. Oh my God, they're the uh, model. Yeah, right. Yeah. They're perfect. Today. Jordan Davis <laughs> last year, they lost Hargraves, yep. and it's like, all right, Davis, you're up. So it's yep. like, that's what you want to be at. That's the point that I think Brad Holmes is trying to get to. Absolutely agree with that. um, He's building up the roster. He's still going to do it through the draft. But he saw a hole. He saw a hole at cornerback and said, I'm going to get two guys that I think are really good players that aren't going to cost us a fortune. And they're going to be impactful Mm -hmm. players for this defense. And we're going to be better because of them. And at the end of the day, that's what he said. We Mm want to get better. Both him and Campbell at the combine said, our only objective in free agency is to become a better football team. And it's hard to accomplish anything they've done. Yeah, (laughs) so far in free agency. I th- yeah, that's a, I think we'll end it on that because that's the perfect way to sum it up uh, is that they are, I don't know how much better, but they're better today than they were. They have a better football team today simply by adding those two corners. If nothing else, they have a better football <laughs> team today than they did three weeks ago or whatever it was. So, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. And I think this was a, a good start and a good, you know, I, we'll see how they finish this off. I'm sure there'll be some other uh, things in the coming weeks and then it'll be full on draft prep as we go from there, but uh, hard to argue with any of that. Uh, and that has been a theme uh, for, for the foreseeable past. And I know that's hard for Lions fans to uh, hear sometimes, but uh, that theme rolls on. Colton, you got anything else this week before we roll out of here? Watch the NCAA tournament for us the weekend here. Go Tigers. Go like, Tigers. I don't know what the score of the Mizzou game is right now. I'm terrified to look after this podcast. But, oh, uh, yeah, I I'll be I'm watching almost... basketball all week. <laughs> it's almost halftime, so it's going to be nail-biter time for you as the witching hour of that uh, game comes up here soon. So, in any okay. event, good luck to Colton's Mizzou Tigers and all of your teams out there. <laughs> They're going to break uh, Happy right March now. Madness. Yeah, they probably will, as they always do to everyone. Uh, but in any event, thanks for listening, everyone, this week. For Colton, I'm Nick. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you again soon.